Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to fucking help. We're comedy writers in Los Angeles, so we're taking those bad news lemons and making them into lemonade. Beyonce reference. (laughs) We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Wednesday, another us. Hey, hey. The only thing that I want to talk about this week is that we finally got the details for our first live show. Ooh, ooh. Listeners, that's right. If you listeners want to become viewers, well, then come (laughs) out to the first Antidote live show ever. It's going to be Saturday, November 12th at 7.30 p.m. at Union Hall in Brooklyn, New York. You can purchase tickets now at nycomedyfestival.com. That's nycomedyfestival.com or at the link in our show notes. We are so stupid excited and we will have an announcement of the guests very soon. But um, come see us. We are so excited to actually meet some of you in person. And uh, yeah, we have been planning this. And so Mm. we're ready to turn up with y'all and hear you guys' antidotes. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And you'll also get a little bit more dose of us. So you're going to hear a little later in the episode, our story time segment. And you'll see that if you come to our live show, you get to hear a little bit more from us. Isn't that juicy? Don't you want that? You will see unedited Grace and Amy. (laughs) Yes, uncut. Grace and Amy, uncut. Uncut. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? We wouldn't need an antidote if we didn't have something to get an antidote from. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. Okay, well, guys, I'm not a sports fan by nature. I don't really follow sports ball, but I'll tell you what. (laughs) When a Nigerian man is a head coach, I'm paying attention. And when Mm -hmm. that Nigerian man chooses a baby as his fiance, I'm paying attention. So I've been following this Ime Udoka cheating scandal, like, and it is flooring me. That is yikes. Yeah, it's yikes. Basically, for anyone who doesn't know, actress Nia Long's fiancé and head coach of the Boston Celtics, Ime Udoka, made headlines for having an affair with a staff member and violating team policies in the process. And the affair is bad enough, but here's why it's a major bummer. A, he's been engaged to Nia since 2015. They also share a son, Kez, who's 10 years old. Part B, she had just moved out to Boston to be with him. And Black people ain't trying to be in Boston like that. So she's given up her L.A. life to go to Boston. I mean, you got Nia Long in your Come house. Come on. Come on. You got Nia Long in your house, who is, I don't know how old this queen is. I'm not gonna say, but she looks incredible. You're gonna have that in your house and you're gonna step out on her and embarrass her after she picked up all her Chanel bags and moved them to Come Boston. Come on. After you fathered the child. You engaged the woman. You said move with me to the cold city of Boston, Beantown. And she did it. How are you going to do that to a bad bitch? 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's the the disrespect is so yep. terrible. But all I do is I pray for that woman's peace. Mm-hmm. I hope that whatever she decides to do, you know, whatever she decides to do is whatever she decides to do. At the end of the day, that's her baby's daddy. Yeah. But at the but I am heartbroken for her. This is must be so embarrassing to like have your business in the street like this. It's embarrassing regardless. But like now, millions of people know that this man like cheated. Ugh. It's so yeah. disgusting. And, you know, I, I just I send my love and support to that queen. Yeah, and he's making Nigerians look bad. I'm just annoyed. <laughs> That's not the only bit of bummer news this week. The other bit of bummer news also involves a scandal, a leak, if you will. Mm. Los Angeles City Council president has resigned from her leadership role after audio leaked of her racist remarks. Bye, girl. Yeah, I'm like, bye, girl. Literally, there's so many things that make this bad. So basically, Los Angeles City Council member Nuri Martinez resigned um, because she was making racist remarks about a fellow council member and his Black child. Mm -mm. The council member, Mike Bonin, is a white man. And his family adopted a Black child. And he, of course, in campaigning, has gone out with his family, which includes the Black child. And Nuri Martinez took it upon herself in a conversation to say, Bonin thinks he's fucking Black. And she's saying things like, they're raising him like a little white kid. I was like, this kid needs a beatdown. Let me take him around the corner and then I'll bring him back. This woman said this in a recorded Didn't, didn't she call him a monkey too? Yes, didn't she, she did. This like woman that. forgot the color of her own skin. This woman forgot that her last name Martinez. This woman forgot that they don't want you here neither. I'm like, literally, lady, what's wrong with you? I live for whoever recorded this. I live <laughs> for whoever recorded Being this. Being like, I got gold right here. I'm so happy that that bitch is cut off right at the knees. Cut her Because off. she could have kept rising within the Democratic Party. I'm so sorry. You can't lead a diverse city like Los Angeles and have those kind of fucked up views. So um, I'm glad I didn't see anyone Anyone um, on Twitter other than like saying anything, but this woman should resign. And that that's not typical. Sometimes you hear people, oh, well, maybe we should forgive or whatever. But no, it was so egregious that everyone was like, she got to go. And she did go. And bye, bitch. Forever. And also, I will say that's the one thing I like about this scandal, that the Latinx community has been protesting heavy against this woman because it could turn into an us versus them situation, like crabs in a barrel, we're all punching down. And I'm so glad it hasn't. There have been large groups of Latinx protesters outside of her house calling for her resignation because they're like, you making us look bad. And I also like... Love that as people of color, we can all agree on shitty behavior. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like to me, I'm like, I I was expecting the protesters to be mostly black. And the fact that they weren't actually filled me with pride for my city, my city yeah. in LA. I love that I said my city. I don't know if I've ever said that about LA. <laughs> but it it filled me with pride for my city because I was like, yeah, we can all agree that this was this was toxic behavior and she gotta go. And then did you see like some of the footage from the council meeting? People mm, went no. in. They could not that. even finish the council meeting because people were Good. just like, why are they still here? Why are they still here, though? But why are they still here, though? <laughs> but why are they so, still here? <laughs> you know, it was I, a reverse Beto. <laughs> I really, I really did feel like whenever people like line up behind us uh, as people of color, it really mm-hmm. does fill my heart with 
a lot of love because we're all in this human experience together and shitty is a shitty does. So when you do something that terrible, then, you know, about talking about a toddler, a two-year-old, bitch, you gotta go. You gotta go. I'm glad you're gone. How do you feel after hearing about all this bummer news, Grace? Oh, actually, it's it's not great. I I mean, the, these ones this week uh, were pretty bad. I'm so sorry that um, my queen Nia is being treated like shit. Mm. And you know, while it's great that this council member resigned, I I hate that she said it in the first place. Yeah, I mean, for real. So that's why we got to get into the antidotes. Let's get into it. So this is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. What was your antidote this week, Grace? Actually, okay. I bought a coat. So I know that sounds like, oh, bitch bought a coat. She's in New York. She needs a coat, right? (laughs) Uh, That doesn't sound like that would bring anyone that much joy. But let me tell you, I have kind of missed the seasons. Now, I really do like living in LA, you know, but now that it is starting to get a little colder, I bought a Canada Goose coat. And let me tell you why that is a meaningful thing. First of all, I will acknowledge right now that some people do not like Canada Goose because they um, have in the past used coyote. uh, What? Coyote fur. Where? On their hoods. Oh, oh, like the fur? The fur around the Damn, thing. So I, right. I will acknowledge anybody who uh, hates the brand, uh, I will acknowledge that that is the thing. I did okay. not get a coat with any fur on it. Okay. Uh, just a regular puffer coat. Okay. But let me tell you why this was a meaningful moment in my life. Uh, Canada Goose coats are very um, common on sets to be used because they are very, very warm. And oftentimes you're shooting, you know, in the cold weather uh, here. There's a lot of weather in New York, especially (laughs) from (laughs) September on. There's a lot. It's very unpredictable. There could Mm -hmm. be, it could be 81 day, then next day it's raining. And, you know, so there's a lot of weather. So um, I remember trying one on when I was an assistant while I was here. And I was like, oh my God, this coat is so nice. And then I went online. I was like, I'm going to get that coat. It's really warm and nice. Mm -hmm. And seeing the price of the coat was very out of my price range as an assistant. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, we will be shooting um, until December on this current production that I'm working on right now. So I was just like, I think I'm going to get myself a Canada Goose coat. Go off. And so I like ordered it from Bergdorf's and I went and I picked it up because it was expensive enough that you I would have had to sign for it. And I'm never home because I'm always on set. So I bought this coat and it really lit me up. Number one, it's just a really good coat. It's super warm. It's got little straps mm-hmm. so you can like kind of wear it as a backpack. Oh, like the Beyonce coat. Exactly. So Ooh. it's got those straps so you could wear it as a backpack, like our Ivy Park coat that B yeah. and Amy have the same one uh, because <laughs> we are what? Disgusting. Disgusting. So it it's just a really practical, very, very warm coat. And I bought the long one that comes down like past your knees. And yeah, it costs a lot of money, mm-hmm. but it really just 
was a moment of growth for me financially because I was just like, I can afford this coat. I'm going to pay for it with my business account because it is a business expense. And so it really made me happy that I was able to afford this coat that was so out of reach for me just like seven years ago uh, when, you know, I was an assistant. So uh, I was, you know, I just had it on set this week and I wore it and I just felt so proud and I felt so warm and I felt so happy. So I know it's just like dumb that an expensive coat would uh, bring me that much joy, but it did because I was just like, look, the last time you were here, the last time you were on a set in New York, you wouldn't have ever been able to afford this and now you can't afford this. So, uh, so yeah, that was my antidote, buying an expensive coat, a very impractical coat. But I will get a lot of use for it because hopefully I will work on the show again. And also my parents live in Michigan, so I can definitely get use out of it when I'm there around Christmas. So that was my antidote this week. I love that. Uh, And what was yours this week, Amy? Um, So I had a a witchy night with two girlfriends where we, like, I'm a big goal setter. I'm a Virgo. Don't act surprised. I love to set goals. And we had a night where we talked about our goals and we made vision boards together. And it was so fun. My friends are named Allison and Lila. And we've been in a writer's group for years. And so we got together. We got these magazines. We lit candles. We set our intentions. We imagined (laughs) ourselves, like, moving into greatness. Then we made these vision boards. Um, And it was amazing. I like making a vision board. Um, I don't do it, it like at a regular time every year, but it was so wonderful to do it. And I think it's something that's easy for our listeners to do. If you guys are interested, just grab some magazines and just cut out the images that speak to you. I try not to think too hard when I'm cutting them out. I'm just like, I like this. This is a pretty image. This is the house I want to be in. This is the coat I want to wear when I'm in that house. Haha, <laughs> tied it together. And I'm also like words that inspire me. Like I have the word entrepreneur, rainbow, access, women of influence, top talent, because I want to work with top talent someday. So I have all these buzzwords on my vision board. I have these images of Black women thriving. Diana Ross is on my vision board. Uh, Z-Way's on my vision board. Like there's so many people because I'm just seeing like the joy that they have is what I want to experience. Yeah. So if I were making a vision board with Grace, I would put a Canada Goose coat on there <laughs> because I want yeah. it. Yeah. And here's the thing. <laughs> I mean, I understand that not everyone can afford a Canada Goose coat. I was in that place not too long ago. But I think that it is nice to just buy yourself a something slightly impractical uh, that is, you know, whatever is within your budget at this moment, uh, just to, to make yourself smile. Yeah. So if you guys tried any of our antidotes at home, share them with us using the hashtag That's My Antidote or leave us a voicemail at 833-684-3683. Again, that's 833-684-3683. We'll be back after the break. Welcome to Storytime. Uh, so this is the segment of the show where we're going to ask each other a question we've never spoken about before. And who knows where the conversation will go? Amy, are you ready? Uh-huh, let's do it. So, Amy, I came across this tweet recently by at Queen Vige, and it said, aunties and auntie juniors, and I'm sorry, I claim auntie junior because I'm, I'm <laughs> Diddle, um, <girl. laughs> not a full auntie yet. 
Give the nieces some advice about life that can help them navigate romance and friendship better than you did in your teen and young adult years. So if you could write a letter to your younger self in your teen and young adult years, what would you say to her? What advice would you give yourself about navigating romance and friendship better and why? Me? What advice would I give to myself? Yes. Um, huh. About navigating romance and friendship better. Uh, it's so funny. I was, uh, you, as you know, I, I recently went to Paris and when I was mm-hmm. walking the streets with a friend of mine, she's so awesome. And we were just like strolling around and she's like, do you ever see your younger self walking around the city? <gasps> and I'm like, yes, yes. That happens to me all the time where you're going somewhere and you're like, that's me. It's just like another oh girl who looks vaguely like you, whatever. And she was like, what is the thing you would say if you could go up to her and say something? And at the same time, I said, just fuck the guy. And she said, don't (laughs) fuck the guy. (laughs) She was like, don't fuck that guy. (laughs) And we started laughing. Like literally, we were just bawling out in the middle of Paris, just laughing so so hard. Because I feel like the lesson I wish I could give myself about romance Mm-hmm. is like not not I'm like I'm glad I made it to like you know my ripe age with no STDs but I'm also yeah. sort of like uh STDs go to people who live well what's that <laughs> quote from girls like like all fun girls just have a HPV. light STD nothing you know <laughs> life changing just like just like a like one of the ones like yeah just one of the little ones like little gonorrhea yeah just a one that I can take a little pill and be, mm, I'm all good <laughs> but I will say that like young me because of the church and all these things was so like, well, first you have to like hold hands for nine weeks and then you kiss once on the mouth for a year and then you fall (laughs) deeply in love and then you get married and nine days after marriage you can consummate. I just had the craziest concept of how love worked. And if I could do anything, I wish I just fucked around a little bit and not mm-hmm. not even necessarily sex. I just mean like made out with a few more guys, got yeah. my b- heart broken a few more times, like actually like loosened up a little bit. Yeah. And that's such a weird thing because I'm like, I guess I got here kind of healthy in some ways. But I think because I didn't date a ton when I was younger, it actually kind of fucked me up. Like that every relationship, I was like, this is the guy, this is the one. And that actually was like its own mind fuck of thinking that every guy that quote unquote chose me was the guy. Yeah. And I feel like had my parents let me date, I might not have had that. I don't, I might still have. Like some women, it's just how you're programmed. Yeah. Like, uh, I just want to say that this is kind of why we're friends. There's so many similarities Mm. between us. Um, but yeah, I, I feel the same way. I feel like I was so much more conservative in so many ways as a kid, like not, never politically, never, don't, don't get that twisted, (laughs) but never politically. But I mean, definitely I didn't dance to music that Whoa. didn't feel I like pure. I you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't ever like when back that ass came out. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how old I was. Like maybe oh, I was back high school ass. or something like that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I was just like, no, I cannot do that. I have too much respect for myself. Like I just feel like I just didn't have a lot of fun as mm. a teen and a young adult because I felt like I don't know if it was the respectability politics about being a young black woman in particular because mm-hmm. I was like in a lot of white spaces. I was usually one of very few black people, so I don't know if I was doing that because I felt like. I had to 
to comport myself in a certain way because I was a, a Black girl. You know, I went to Catholic school for nine years too. So like I had a lot of that Catholic guilt about like, you don't let anybody like yeah. touch you or disrespect you. You are a jewel from Jesus's crown and you have to like <laughs> be perfect in everything that you do or you are going to hell. Like if anyone said the slightest thing to me, I was just like, he doesn't respect me, so he must be gone. And I have to wait for my God-chosen spouse to come to me and he's going to <laughs> lay down rose petals on the ground and throw coats over puddles and, you know, just <laughs> over-remap. Romanticizing, and I was just like, girl, you were like 15. Like, back that ass up, have some fun, dance, just date boys, kiss boys, do stuff, like, without so much weight on it. Um, but yeah, I just went a little s- bit, spit yeah. on that dick, you know, just like spit on that dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know time? if I needed to be spitting on dicks, but I at least <laughs> should have been like, oh my God, just because he held my hand doesn't mean we're going to get married in five years. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it was, yeah, I I, re- I relate a lot uh, to what you were saying. Yes, that's that's my big one. And I will say as a girl who I love to dance and I was backing that ass up and shaking it like a salt shaker and I knew what skeet skeet motherfucker means. <laughs> but I was just like, but that's just dancing. I was always just like, that's just dancing. I'm not doing anything wrong. No, you were more fun than me because I was just like... Why? Like, I really hated, like, grind dancing, too. Oh, I, mean, I loved it. I was I like, I did Ooh. not like it. <laughs> What's that song? Feel a little poke, poke coming, coming through. through. I, like, literally can't believe that was a real song on the radio and that we danced to it and we felt a little poke coming through. I cannot believe all of that. No, I hated the that. The 90s were wild. I felt like, I felt like <laughs> oh, my God, like... I, I And I, to this day, I kind of feel like this. I was just like, why? You couldn't just walk up to me and grind on me in yeah, the, yeah, yeah. at the no, bus no. stop. Like, why are you touching me? <laughs> it was literally the grossest time of, of uh, our musical journey um, <laughs> as a generation. <laughs> but like, I, I was on that floor. I was on that dance floor, but uh, I would- I was I on the floor, I but I was on now. the floor by myself. Uh-huh. I would dance on tables. I would, you know, I would have a lot of fun doing try. like choreography <laughs> for like Beyonce videos and shit. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> now, Grace, your turn. If you could write a letter to your younger self in your teen and young adult years, what would you say to her? What advice would you give yourself about navigating romance and or friendship since I only did romance? So I would say the same thing that you said about romance as we just discussed that mm-hmm. I should have like loosened up and not put so much weight on every interaction with a guy. But as far as friendship, I would have said have more boundaries. I mean, mm, I really wow. like let a lot of girls walk all over me when I was younger. Damn. Like I remember like coming to this sort of Republican Catholic school. It was really challenging. Like I had a lot of friends with racist parents who didn't want me mm-hmm. to come over their house and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I did have a friend, it was like I had to hold on to that person so much. So I put up with a lot of stuff from friends. And what I would say to my younger self is that friendship is supposed to make you feel good. So if somebody's in your life and they are like low-key bullying you or making comments Mm -hmm. on your appearance or being, telling you you're a nerd or that you read too much or like... What the fuck? Yeah, they're not your friends, as my mom would say. Exactly. I remember one time uh, I had this friend, I won't say her name, 
But um, she was having a birthday party and she said that her mom didn't want to invite me probably because I was black. And so um, my other friends were like, we had like a little click and my other friends were like, we're not going to go to her birthday party because it's not right that she is not inviting you. And Mm -hmm. then one by one, I learned that they did go to her birthday party and they were hanging out with her uh, at times without me. Ah, that's that's terrible. And it hurt my feelings. Of course it did. That's terrible. I was still friends with them. You know what I'm saying? So You're a kid. You have no choice. <laughs> exactly. So I feel like, I don't know what would have been better to just be by myself or just have these toxic oh, no. friends. And that sort of spirit lasted all the way into college. Like I had some very toxic friends in college. I had one friend who told me that I would never be an actress because I was dark skinned. And- what the fuck? Yeah, I had like messed up friends. I had a friend Why? who uh, she knew I liked this guy and then she ended up hooking up with him. Like, I think because I liked him, you know what I'm saying? It's oh, like some sort of low key power move. Like she since has apologized. It's a friend that's still in my life. You know, she did apologize for it. But like, I feel like I let a lot of friends treat me badly because those early years, I didn't have a lot of friends. And so I just like a lot, a lot of girls just like walk all over me. Whereas like I had these extra, extra high standards for guys. I had like no standards for my female friends. And so I'm glad that as I've gotten older, I set boundaries and I do not have any toxic friends in my life right now. Yeah. I actually wanted to comment on that because I'm like, when you talk about that experience, like that That is so heartbreaking to me that you had people in your life, and I won't even call them friends because I can't because those people were not your friends. They were yeah. people around you, but they were not your friends. But that you had people in your life who treated you that poorly and said that they loved you with one side of their mouth and then were just like shitting on you with the other. Yeah, Lots of women who go through things like that grow up and don't have close girlfriends and distrust yeah. women and like kind of can become backstabby. And like, that's why there's so much, and all of it is from the patriarchy. Like, I don't even blame Mm. women for that shit. It's all the patriarchy and white supremacy. We know this. But like a lot of those, a lot of women in adulthood who have been through that have a hard time. There's those girls who are like, I don't know why, girls just don't like me. And it's like, yeah, because toxicity. But the fact that you have cultivated, because I'm looking at your friend circle and I know I'm in it, but like also your other friends that I've met and like the friends we have in common, you have cultivated such fantastic female friendships as an adult that I'm sort of like, wow, Grace. Like, I I just want to like sit in the moment of realizing how far you've come because that could have damaged you permanently. (laughs) Like, literally could have. It really could have. Uh, But thank you for saying that. But yeah, I I made a decision. Like, there was one friend that ripped it wide open. It was a friend that right after we graduated from grad school, just was so terrible to me. But she was my friend since high school. So I felt like I had to like put up with Mm. it. But that Mm. moment, like she said something unforgivable. And I was just like, you know what? She's gone. And guess what? Anyone else that makes me feel this way is gone. gone. So it was like my early 20s that I finally got to the point where I'm just like, Yeah, no, we're not doing that anymore. And so the only friends that I will keep in my life, and I'm very good at like snip, snip. Mm -hmm. As Mm -hmm. you know, like when I even go to parties, like (laughs) 
<laughs> just like I've seen it. I've seen it in person. It's cold blooded. Yeah, it's just like oh, like somebody will just say something. I was like, oh, that doesn't go with my moral code or sense for. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna remove myself from the. Oh, I'm gonna go get a drink. And like maybe has seen it happen, <laughs> and I'm like, whoop, Grace is gone. I was like, I don't know what happened, but something not right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you talked about your romantic stuff, but like, what what lessons would you tell yourself about friendship? I will be honest and say that I had a small but very good friend group growing up. And mm-hmm. so I I was a nerd and I was an out the outskirts girl, but I weirdly navigated a lot of social groups because I was black. And so mm-hmm. there was like this, a little bit of like, you're the cool girl because you're black. And there's a little bit of like, athletes thought I'd be good at sports. I was not. So I was in the athletic <laughs> circles for some reason. And then I was drum major. So I, they said my name at every football game. Everybody knew who I was. So uh, especially in high school, I kind of shot up in a weird way in popularity because I was the drum major, which is the nerdiest activity. I was like king of the nerds. <laughs> but like literally as a result, overnight, I went from the, fo- the the quarterback knew who I was. I was invited to the parties, you know? And so yeah. it was just such a difference. And so, I mean, if I could say anything, there was a period in middle school where I was being bullied and it made me mean to my friends Mm -hmm. where we all kind of like had these rules. Like we can't do this because a bully might come after us. We can't do this. And we were like policing each other's behavior Behavior, in like seventh grade. And I remember that being kind of a dark period. But I will say when we got to high school, I remember having a big conversation with my middle school friends and we all like apologized to each other. Like we didn't know how, what we were going through. Like we were all being bullied. You were just babies. Yeah. So I, I will say, and I, I mean, like, I believe you know this from knowing me, like I really pride myself on being a good friend. And I, and as a child, I I don't know how we did that, how we all got fucked up and then all like apologized and all came together and we're friends still. Yeah. So I would say to young people is like, if somebody's really making you feel bad, try to talk it out with them. Try to like, yeah. maybe that person is not aware of what they're doing and you might yeah, lose might a good friend sure. by just cutting them off. But if they do have that talk with you and they're still like sticking their heels in the ground and like not treating you how you deserve to be treated, get rid of them at that point. Like mm-hmm. don't let them stay around too long because uh, you want to recapture like a moment from the past of like when you guys were really good friends. So it's like, a balancing act. Like, you know, don't dispose of people like too harshly. Let Allow them to, to earn their way back into your life. But if they are not doing the right things um, after a stern conversation, then, you know, be comfortable with letting them go. I think. I agree. All right. Well, that was fun. I mean, yeah. uh, and in the spirit of talking to our younger selves, uh, a lot of times we make the Mistake on focusing on others' happiness and pleasure and not our own. Uh, So today's quiz is, do you get enough pleasure? (laughs) You trying to ask me about myself? Uh, No, right? My boudoir activities. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so let me let me get let's get into this quiz it's like an old school cosmo quiz so i thought it would be mm-hmm. fun so i was just like let's let's do one of these old school little quizzes yeah, let's do it so uh at work you're most likely to be known as a the one who organizes the awesome monthly happy hours b the one who's always at the water cooler with the juiciest gossip, or mm-hmm. C, the one who stays until, well, no one really knows when you leave, just that you're always the last one there. 
<laughs> C. I'm C. <laughs> but I'm also A. I'm A. Yeah, that's and what I'm C. saying. Yeah. But but you, you we only have to pick one. We only get to pick well, one. Well, I'm so. mostly C because I I mean I run a company. I'm always working. I'm like, this is unfair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, the boss can't be like, I'm at the water cooler. <laughs> I'm like, uh. what about you, Grace? What are you? I would say I know what you are. I'm be C too, probably. No, uh, you're B. <laughs> you are so B. Do I like to gossip? Yes, girl. <laughs> like, yeah, you, are you kidding? Of course you're, you're like, and then I heard. <laughs> you're right. You That's B. right. You know what? I was on set last night. Uh, a friend, like, like, was telling me about some Hollywood gossip. And I was just like, <laughs> I turned to my show and I was like, well, girl, guess what I heard? You're See? right. <laughs> just say it. You might oh, be God, there late at night, but you still doing beat. <laughs> I, I still, I, yeah, I guess, oh, wow, I'm learning something about myself. I guess I do like to gossip. Oh, okay, I got to work on that. Okay, let's say B. Okay, we're going to say go with B. I don't know, it makes You're you right. delightful, so. <laughs> um, when friends and family ask you what you want for the holidays, you say A, an external hard drive, a coffee maker, and a comforter to replace my ratty old one. <laughs> B, well, I guess, my accessories drawers is looking a little sparse. Mm. C, nothing but a sex gift card. I'm planning a glam shopping spree of epic proportions. I know which one I am, but which one are you? You know me, I don't like gifts. I'm not a yeah. gift person. So I think of these options, I would choose C because then I'm responsible for getting my own thing. Yeah. Um, I would never tell someone to get me a list of things. <laughs> <laughs> That's my nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I would say C as well because I am a thousand percent bougier than my parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, whatever I ask for, like, something, they'll get the, like, nice practical thing and I want the stupid, like, expensive thing. So yeah. C would definitely be me as well. Okay, uh, and question number three you start chatting up a guy who just might be Chase Crawford's long-lost twin. Uh-uh. I'm so sorry. Uh, Chase Crawford? Chase Crawford. What the fuck? You are very handsome. What is this from? But it's uh, obviously from an earlier time in life and obviously <laughs> written by a white woman. So let's <laughs> update it. Who should we say, Amy? Could we say Michael B. Jordan? Okay. Oh, oh no, no, no. <gasps> Jonathan Majors. Okay, all right. So mm. I'm going to read it with the updated uh, reference. Okay. You start chatting up a guy who just might be Jonathan Majors, long lost twin, but your girlfriends want to call it a night. You, A, blow off the girls and flirt on. You'll find your way back to your place or his. Ooh, ooh. Uh, B, say goodnight to the guy and kick yourself later for not getting his number. Or C, beg your BFF to hang back with you since you did the same for her last week. Interesting. Oh, I think I would say C for me. Yeah. My, but I wouldn't guilt her. I wouldn't say like, I was, I did it for you last. I would just be like, can we have one more drink? And then I promise we're out of here and I'll pay for the Uber. Like I would more like throw yeah. things at her to be like, can, can, can you stay with me? And I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this to please you <laughs> since you are now yeah. pleasing me. I would not guilt her from a past uh, favor. But what, what about you? I would say V. Uh, B, B was my second choice. Yeah. 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 I would probably I just say goodnight and then kick myself later. 
<laughs> oh yeah. I, I was torn between yeah. the two, to be honest, because I've done B a lot, but I've also done C a lot. But usually I do C and then B. It's like, stay one more drink, stay one more drink. And then after the drink, I'm like, okay, well, bye. And then I'm like, no. <laughs> so it's usually a combo. <laughs> People are very surprised about this about me, but like when it comes to boys, I turn into a 14-year-old girl. Like well, I'm not I, surprised after hearing our story time. Yeah, I am not <laughs> good at chatting up guys. Like I yeah. I can receive a flirt. Yeah. But like as far as me having to do anything, like getting his number, it was just never it was just it would just never be me asking. So uh number four. When getting ready for girls' night, you a take a long, relaxing shower and touch up last week's manicure. Okay. Uh, B, squeeze in a quick shower before you run out the door. C, take a bubble bath, deep condition your hair, and spritz out a moisturizing spray. This is such a weird question. What is this B? What are white girls doing? This, this exactly. I'm to see my friends. I'm not trying I'm to fuck y'all. I'll no, take a shower, what? so I'm not stinking, but yeah. I'm not about to. Uh, Bubble you know, judge myself up to those are my friends. So yeah, chill. y'all know me. <laughs> I'm showing up in space. Right. Um, and then the last question, this quiz is short and sweet. Um, how many times do you and your guy get it on each week? Each week? Damn, bitch. <laughs> a, it would be impossible to count. You can't help but jump him every time you see him. B, get it on regularly, but also enjoy quiet nights just chatting and catching up. C, try to schedule it on a Saturday and or a Sunday. <laughs> this quiz is so weird. Well, first of all, you got to have a weekly guy to be able yeah. to answer this question. So maybe I'll answer from the past. Yeah, I I'll say, have to answer from the past myself. I will say B. I mean, I, I'm well, I've been in the relationships where you can't keep your hands off each other, but those are always toxic. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, with your digmatized, one. it ain't a good relationship. Yeah. Well, not all the time. I, I won't make a blanket statement, but in my experience, anytime I've been digmatized, there was some toxicity. Yeah. <laughs> like the Jasmine Sullivan songs from hotels. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's usually some toxicity attached. <laughs> I know, right? You know, fuck boys. They, they, they get to fuck for a reason. Yeah. Um, They're good at that. <laughs> They're good at it. Uh, but uh, I would say B as well. I mean, I feel like that's a relationship. If you're just like yeah. getting it on all the time, when are you talking? When are you connecting? When are you like having the good part? Like, I mean, sex yeah. is great, but I'm just saying like. Sex is great, but have you ever hugged? Have you ever cuddled? <laughs> like like yeah. my favorite part would be just like, oh, we're going to watch something bad and um, yeah. eat a pizza on the couch and cuddle, you know, like yeah. that. that's. That's what the relationship part is. Um, okay, so let's tabulate our answers and find out if we oh, yeah, get enough pleasure. We do. Okay, so all right. So our results is that Amy, you got four points, and mm. I got five points. Nice. So uh, both of us fall in the same range. Not surprising. Not surprising. Um, <laughs> a perfectly satisfied sister. Ooh. So uh, you mix your pleasure perfect cocktail with equal parts business and fun, which makes for a badass time and a level mm-hmm. head when friends need advice. This is a girl who everyone wants to be friends with. Ah, says Seth Myers. Oh, so Seth, Seth Myers. Myers. Oh, a, 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 a psychologist. A Los Angeles relationship expert, not Seth Myers from TV. <laughs> I was like, Seth Myers, you out here writing quizzes? Is that yeah. what you did before your show? 
Uh, no, a Los Angeles relationship expert. She can write out trouble spots in relationships and his views is responsible and careful. Keep up your balance, MO, and you'll find people coming to you from everything from party planning tips to project proposals. Look at all that alliteration, Cosmo. Wow, doing too Cosmo much. really tried it with your tongue. God damn. Yeah, well, we're perfectly satisfied we're neither deprived diva or queen of temptation. <laughs> <laughs> we're not virgins or whores, okay? <laughs> we're right in the middle. Madonna whore. <laughs> <laughs> just, just lightly whores and lightly uh, Madonnas. I don't know. If you guys enjoy these story times, please let us know. Um, we would love yeah. to do more of them. Um, and if you have a prompt for us to let us know what you would like us to talk about, hit us up on our social at The Antidote Pod. All right, so to close us out, we are doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quote? I sure am. I think it's just as important what you say no to as what you say yes to. That's by Sandra O. Oh. One more time. I think it's just as important what you say no to as what you say yes to. And that is by actress Sandra O. Oh. Uh, I love that. She's absolutely right. In fact, um, from a creative standpoint, like when I was starting out my career, I had sort of like a, you know, the opposite of a spirit of abundance. Like I was very like, um, wanting so desperately to have the job that I have now. And so I was saying yes to too many projects, like anything would cross my desk. And I'm like, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. And I think part of it is like child of immigrant syndrome. Like I grew yeah. up, uh, trying to prove I could fit in and like, I would, take on, like we've talked about it on the podcast before, I'd like take on my friends, like idiosyncrasies and be like, we're the same, we're the same. Don't worry, I'm an immigrant, but I'm the same. And mm -hmm. so it kind of translated in work to being like, I can always see a way. I can always see a way to yeah. like fix a story problem, work on that script, do that project, write that for someone. I always see a way. And so I started overloading on projects and I got mm -hmm. so burnt out and I actually had to write it on a post-it. Your first answer is no. Ooh. And I put it next to my computer and anytime an email would come in from my reps or someone being like, can I pick your brain, da, 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 all this stuff. It's so overwhelming when you start to say yes to too many things that you lose your creative center. You lose what makes you you and what makes you yeah. good at what you do. And I had to be like, I have to say no. And the reason I'm saying no is X, Y, Z. Um, so uh, that helped me a lot. And then I also wrote in a post at one time, if you pick something up, you must put something down. Ooh. And that was right by my computer too. So that if anything came across, I'd be like, well, if I'm doing this, what's leaving my schedule? Mm -hmm. What's leaving my to-do list? What's leaving my... And sometimes I'd be like, well, I don't want anything to come off. And I'm like, well, then that means I can't do it. And it's really challenging. I'm a people pleaser. I still struggle yeah. with saying no. Um, I always think I'm hurting someone's feelings or letting someone down. But it is so important. You define who you are and what you are supposed to be doing the more that you clear out noise. Mm -hmm. And that's what saying no is. It's clearing out noise. So I love this quote. Yeah, me too. Very similar to you. It makes me think about things that I said yes to that I should have said <laughs> no to. Just in general. Mm -hmm. I think also um, what you said about the picking your brain thing, that's the hardest one to do. Ooh, it's so hard. That is so hard it's because so especially when it's like hard. a young Black woman who's coming yeah. to me like for advice. I, I do make a good amount of time to do that. I do have a good amount of mentees. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it, like I have had to 
start saying no to some stuff that's come through the DM or come through, like, I have to make room for myself. And like the biggest creative thing that we're doing is creating our own lives. And so if I'm Mm. constantly doing things Mm -hmm. that I don't want to do, then I'm creating a life that is not pleasing to me. And I am creating art from a life that is not pleasing to me. So I really do take that thing to probably the frustration of my reps uh, because I do say uh, no more than I say yes at this point. You gotta, you gotta say no in order to say yes to the right things. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, so thank you for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracieact. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, ooh, and make sure to buy tickets to our live show on Saturday, November 12th at 7.30 p.m. at Union Hall in Brooklyn, New York. You can purchase tickets now at nycomedyfestival.com or at the link in our show notes. Oh my gosh, guys, we're going to be announcing the guests in the coming weeks and you are going to love it. Come see us. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. The show's production team includes senior producer Sierra Spragley-Ricks, associate producer Jess Penzetta, and Marcel Malakibu. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss, and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio Executives in Charge are Chandra Kabati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org or call us. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the was too easy, y'all. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Yeah, it is. Thank you.